True or false? Biden leads Trump by anywhere from 5 to 27 points. Do you believe it? Hello, this is Karen. And this is Kevin. And And this this is is Right From from Us. Do you believe the polls? Well, that's what the polls are saying right now, that that Biden is in the lead anywhere from 5 to 27 points. But don't you think the range is a little large? 5 to 27 points? That's quite a spread. That is a pretty big range. I, I think they're saying in the battleground states, Biden is in the lead by four and a half points on average. You know, on the surface, you hear you hear these things or read these things, and if you're a Trump supporter like we are, it makes you panic a little bit, like, oh my gosh, we're going to lose, what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. But I always reference back to the 2016 election. That's exactly what I was going to say. At this time, they, they all said that there's no way that President Trump was going to win. I mean, Hillary. you remember, everybody was 100% convinced that it was going to be in the bag. Hillary was going to win the election and she was going to be our president. And not only did that not happen, Trump, like, just bulldozed her. Well, it was a landslide, according to the Electoral, electoral College. I mean, the, well, the, not popular, the popular vote, vote, which basically is because of California. And New York, basically the yeah. coast states. Yeah. Of course, that's why one reason why everybody was in such an uproar, because they couldn't stand Trump and they wanted the popular to win. But that's the very reason why we haven't set our system up that way, because then the middle states, the smaller states would never have a say in who's going to be president if it was a it was because of popular vote. So anyway, I'm just wondering how, how they even come up with these polls. You know, um, I, I get calls all the time on my cell phone. I do not know what the, what the number is, and I'm just assuming it's some kind of a political donation call or a, maybe a poll I, I never answer them so how, how are they even getting these poll poll numbers how do they even get your phone number because i never get calls so I, I mean have you have you donated to a political party and given your phone number in the past like how do well, they yeah, even i mean i've made i've made political donations in the past but did you have to give your phone number i i don't remember i just kind of sure. wonder how they get their get your phone number because you know, they've never called me it's it's out there though. I mean, there's all these databases oh, all of this, your information. Yeah, all this information about you. But I mean, there, there's there are a lot of things co- contradicting what these polls are saying, though. You know, like for example, how many times have you seen a spontaneous Biden parade? I mean, you've got these news stories where there's per- parades of Bi- of President Trump supporters that are just miles and miles and miles and miles long. You don't you don't see that for Biden. And you've got these, you know, President Trump's uh, rallies. There's, you know, tens of thousands of people showing up to these things and tens of thousands of people that are being uh, turned away because there's not, not enough room for all the people. I just wonder what's the goal behind these these polls? Are they trying to dissuade people They're from voting? Like, oh, well, Biden's going to win anyway. What's the use? Well, you know, that's a good question. They're definitely, I would think they're trying to, to uh, discourage the President Trump's voters but in some ways it would that would seem to backfire because it would light a fire under people to get out and vote for trump right and and it would make the biden supporters overconfident and so it's like well we don't need to show up because he's so far in the the lead so i don't know i don't know but i i think that i hate to use the whole the, the cliche term the silent majority i don't even know if that applies nowadays i'm not 
quite convinced that it's the majority anymore, but it's definitely the silence. I mean, you can't, you don't dare. I mean, it, it makes me nervous just flying an American flag in front of our house anymore because you're targeted for your political affiliations nowadays. People have lost their minds on this stuff. I know. I used to drive around and, and sort, of, sort of judge by the number of political signs out in, out in people's yards by who, who's going, going to win. And now if you have a, a Trump sign in your yard, someone's going to burn your house well, down. Well, it's like you put a big bullseye on yourself. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so. scary that you can't even express your beliefs and your thoughts anymore without someone physically coming up to you and knocking your teeth out. Yeah, I have to say, I, I have seen a lot of Biden signs around, especially especially down, I, you know, I drive down uh, toward the college t- to deliver some uh, information for one of my clients a couple times a week. There are a lot of Biden and Democrat signs. Well, we live there. in a city that has, what, two or three colleges in it. So we're a college-heavy city. We have a lot of young people come in and out. So I probably can attribute some of that because of the culture of our city. But I I don't know. I just hope that it scares me to think what's going to happen if Biden wins. Because if they evoke the 25th Amendment like, amendment like uh, Nancy Pelosi wants to do and gets rid of Biden because of mental incapacities or whatever their reasoning is going to be, then we've got that crazy Kamala Harris as our president. And if you don't, don't take my word for it, people. Look up her record. She's got a scary record. She's very progressive. And um, I personally would not want her running our country. But anyway, back yeah. to the whole Trump supporters thing. Yeah, I mean, if you think back to 2012, uh, there, you know, the, President Trump had the rallies and he had the, you know, all the support. I mean, and now you've got the rallies and you've got the spontaneous parades and flotillas. I mean, the down they had a, one of those flotillas down at Table Rock Lake, and you couldn't even see the lake. There were so many boats. Yeah, and on I, the I water. find it very encouraging as well that a lot of blacks are are being woke so to speak and yeah. they're starting to realize that the democrats have been holding them down all these years and the you know the the conservatives just want them to be successful and to get out of their you know get out of the hood and things like that and i also think it's encouraging that a lot of these law enforcement agencies have come out and publicly endorsed trump as, as well i think that's a very good sign yeah that's something you've got different th- this this time than in 2012 you definitely um a lot more support from the from the minority communities for yeah. President Trump, I mean, they're at least they're vocal about it in two thousand in two thousand. Um, Does he two thousand twelve earlier? Two thousand sixteen? Two thousand eighteen? Oh, two thousand whatever? Two thousand twenty? It's early. Yeah, and I I have been really hooked on watching. Brandon Tatum's T-A-T-U-M, his YouTube channel, and he has also started the Tatum Report, which is an offspin of the Drudge Report because the Drudge Report has, I don't know if it's changed hands or what's happened, but it's no longer really a right-leaning site. It's like an anti-Trump site yeah, now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, really and it's made it's changed. Made, it made Brandon so upset that he started his own Drudge Report, so to speak. It's called the Tatum Report, and it has a lot of... Um, right-leaning articles links to articles on there and anyway so i highly support him and i think he's fantastic and it's very encouraging to hear him talk to his fellow um black community to to let them know that hey you know they're not 
these Democrats are not in it for you. They're not interested in you. They just want to control you and get your vote every single every single election and keep you down and stuff. So all of that to say, I highly recommend you look him up and support him. He's fantastic. But he and Candace Owens have been very vocal in the black community to try to, to try to show their fellow black Americans that, you know, this you need to go to a party that's going to actually try to help you and not suppress you. Yeah, they've got the Blexit movement, the black exit. Yeah. Exit the Democrat Party. I know I bring them up a lot, but I just I think I highly admire them. I think they're fantastic and they have a lot of courage to stand up and basically, you know, fight upstream on all this stuff that's happening. So and then um, speaking of being scared to show your support for Trump, what was that thing that you saw in San Francisco that happened? Well, just over this weekend, there's been a, uh, a bunch of um, well, <clears throat> there's the, the thing where Facebook and, and Twitter blocked a story about basically the Biden the Biden crime family, where the Joe Biden was getting his son and his family uh, positions. Uh, in, in foreign countries and then uh, taking kickbacks uh, you know, of the salary and, and whatever the bonuses that the, the his sons would get. And, um, and, you know, all the email supporting this was was found on a laptop that was <laughs> taken to a computer repair And then just abandoned, store. right? He didn't, yeah. they'd never come back and got it. So uh, th- that story was put out by the New York, New York Post and Twitter and Facebook blocked the story. Right. It basically censored it to, to try to not put it out there that Biden's son has all these shady dealings, which, interestingly enough, there's some sites that show, like, what Biden made in a year. In 2016, it was like 200000 and then it jumped to over $1 million. No, 16, I think $16 million, wasn't 16 it? $16 million? Oh, I wow. I thought it was 16 but anyway, all that to anyway, say that there was quite a jump in his income yeah. um, after all this supposed stuff happened with his son. So, I mean, there's some meat behind this story. But, so but anyway, the back back to the story. The <clears throat> Over the weekend, this weekend, there were people protesting at Twitter, you know, at, in San Francisco. Right, because they dared to censor these stories. Right, and uh, all these Antifa and BLM thugs went out there and and we're just beating up these people like literally beating them up there's there are pictures of people just having the crap beat out of them this one guy had his literal front teeth knocked out because and he was just trying to help he was actually a black trump supporter that was trying to help another one of the um protesters against twitter and he got the crap beat out of him these people are out of control they're angry they're evil they're full of hate we've got to get in there and and yeah, and still some law and order. They're, this is they're, ridiculous. They're part. They're, they're a part of the the party of love, compassion, and tolerance. Right. <laughs> and they're beating up people because they have different views than well, them. And it's what's really sad and disturbing and stupid is then they start marching through the streets with this anti-fascist flag, and they don't understand that what they're doing is actually fascist. Right. Yeah, that's what fascism is all about. It's 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 um, actually I've got the definition. It's it's forcible suppression of opposition and strong reg- regimentation of society and of the economy, and that's that's exactly what these anti-fascist fascists are doing. Right. They're 
these anti-fascists are actually fascist because they're trying to suppress any differing opinions. And it's, it's unbelievable and pathetic and sad to me that they don't even realize that what they're doing, they're marching against the very thing they're doing. And that's basically what the Democrat Party is wanting to do is they're wanting to run everything themselves and forget about the free market. Right. I mean, they, they've come out and said that they are just in favor of socialism. Which, there to me, go. says a lot about the shape of our country, that they're coming right out and just fully admitting that. There's no there's no sugarcoating. There's no dodging. They're just, you know what? They just said, F it. We're just going to come out and just tell you exactly what we stand for. So I guess props to them for finally being honest. And if people fall for it, I mean, they really don't have an excuse because it, they're being honest. amazing. People are just going for that. Anyway. So, I don't know. And, and back to the censorship thing with Facebook and Twitter. I mean, they are private companies. Yeah, should they be able should they be allowed to do that? I mean, they're private companies. Cuz when you said that last night when we were talking about this, I thought, well, I mean, you got a point. I mean, you know, we're all about the capitalism and, you know, allowing these companies to do what they need to do because it's their business and, you know, literally their business. And I mean, I don't know. Do they have the right to to censor what, you know, what they feel is inappropriate or what they don't want people to learn about? It, it seems as a private company, they do have the right to do that. So, but so then where the, do we stand on any kind supporters of don't have recourse? To have the right to go out and beat people up for for um, protesting. Yeah, but it. to be fair, Facebook and Twitter are not advocating that. They're not calling for people to go out there and do that. But they are censoring people, and so that that begs the question: Is there are is there any kind of recourse for that can that behavior? Well, good question. There's supposed to be hearings about that this week in Congress. That'll so. be interesting to see what they say about that. Yeah, tw Twitter employees have have had a long history of of um, hatred for President Trump. I mean, they've sent out tweets saying, I, I wish you would die in a fire and I wish you would go away and all, all sorts of things like that. So I just, it, it just, it disturbs me how much hate is out there and how many people are just, they just have not been taught. They don't understand that it's okay to have differing opinions and that you can have conversations without beating each other up. That bothers me so much that we've reached that point and no one seems to be doing anything about it. Oh, it's all, it's free speech. I'm exercising. No, you're not. You're being a thug. You can, you can have, re, you can have intelligent conversations without beating each other. Yeah. When, once it starts getting violent, it's no longer a, a protest. It's a riot. And yes. you should be putting in jail. Absolutely. That. There should be repercussions for your behavior. It's just so, so ironic that, you know, the, um, the Democrat party that's supposed to be tolerant of everything and and um be in favor of free speech they're they're, they're like the anti-free speech anti-tolerant party i know and i don't understand they're why really that doesn't bother more people and maybe it does they're just too afraid to say anything because they might get their front teeth knocked out but or I, their house burnt down if they you know whatever but i thought it was never so apparent that how different the sides are as far as their philosophy and their beliefs as um, watching the um, confirmation hearing for Amy Coney Barrett. I don't know if any of you guys watched it. I was absolutely fascinated by it myself. <laughs> it's kind of dry, not going to lie. But 
I'm interested in this stuff because I've always been kind of interested in the law and I thought it would be kind of cool to be like a law clerk or a paralegal in a different life. Um, so I just thought it was su super interesting to listen to the hearings. And this is the first time that a judge has been confirmed or gone through this process where I've actually paid attention. I mean, you know, there are sound bites and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, to be honest and fair, people don't have time to sit there and watch 11 hours of confirmation hearings. People have lives. You can't watch the whole thing. It took me three days actually to go through the 11 hours on the second day they put her through it. But it was so interesting to me to see the, I mean, the differences could not have been more glaringly obvious. So, for instance, like the, the right when they question her were all about define the law, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Like basically explain what you do, what your purpose is, define like what, what is an originalist and a textualist and how she approaches the Constitution. And then the right, they all they spent their entire time not really asking questions, but preaching at her about, well, don't you feel for these people that are in such left. bad I mean, sorry, the left, the left would come on there and they wouldn't even ask her questions. They would put up these posters of people, you know, like a gay couple or a big family with or that lost someone to a pre-existing condition. And don't you feel for these people? And don't you feel sorry for these people? And wouldn't you, you know, wouldn't you want to make a law that would, you know, help them? And, and, but what people are forgetting that that's not the purpose of a Supreme Court justice. Their purpose is not to make the laws. Their purpose is to interpret and enforce the laws that Congress makes. Yeah, that, that was the thing. I didn't watch that much of it. I just watched enough of it just to see, you know, Judge Barrett over and over would say that she was, her, her mission is to imp interpret the law yeah, because and they not were, make the law. They were trying to, they were trying to give her hypothetical cases or situations over and, over and then ask her how she would rule well she has taken an oath as an active seating judge that she is not allowed to make hypothetical rulings on a case that's never been brought to her because of it's a big ethics violation and in fact interestingly enough that rule came from justice Gings gingsburg that she 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 helped make the law that said a Supreme Court justice is not allowed ethically to give you a hypothetical ruling on a case that was not didn't go through precedence, you know, and wasn't going through the chain before it got to her desk. So it's ironic that they're criticizing her for not being able to answer these questions when Judge Barrett is the one that's adhering to the the ruling that Judge uh, Ginsburg. I thought it was also great that. Judge Barrett would a answer these questions with quotes from some of their favorite justices like Ginsburg and Sotomayor. Oh, and, absolutely. And who's absolutely. that other? And it just showcases one? a few things. I mean, it shows that, that, the, that the left has no interest in the law. It's all about their special interest groups and, you know, furthering an agenda all under the guise of, well, don't you feel sorry? Don't you have a heart? Don't you care what happens to these people? And of course, Judge Barrett cares. She's human. She has her own thoughts and her opinions. But as she so eloquently said, it's not the law of Judge Barrett. It's the law of the Constitution. So anyway, she Judge, Judge Barrett mentioned sexual preference a couple of times in one of her answers. And then <clears throat> later, later on, I don't know if it was the next day, 
uh, that representative from Hawaii. Uh, it was Senator Hirono, wasn't it? Yeah, chastised Judge Barrett for oh, saying for using brutal. the term sexual preference, and it should be sexual orientation because sexual preference is no longer an accepted term. Term, and then uh, like shortly, I mean, within hours after that statement. Uh, the online dictionary, I don't, I don't know if it's Webster's Dictionary, yeah, Webster's, Merriam-Webster's online dic dictionary changed the definition of, of sexual preference online. Now that, folks, is scary. That is scary when the definition of a word that has been defined that way for decades is changed just because of of one situation like this, that is scary. Yeah, we're t we're talking about like the book 1984. You know, where the guys that was his job to go in there and change change news stories to to fit the current narrative of the what was going on with the party. I, I also, you know, I read uh, Fahrenheit 451 back in high school. I don't remember that, but it was something kind of like that. They would burn books. They would burn books that didn't that didn't agree with what was going on with the party or, or something like that. I need to read I that mean, book again. I mean, we're on the cusp of that happening again. And uh, then we're it's actually happening. Yeah, I know. And then just because I've I watched so much of this, I have some more thoughts on this confirmation hearing. But Senator Hirono was absolutely brutal in her in her interaction with Judge Barrett. And she was talking about how um, these precedents that the judges have to go by these are previous cases that basically led up to the d the final dispute that got onto that, that went to the justice the supreme court uh, she's talking about how precedents don't apply to real world situations and that you know how dare you not not have any sympathy or empathy for these people that it, it impacts and so forth and i thought judge barrett had such a great comeback to that so she said that um, she disagreed with her on that and that that she gave an example of a precedent of pro-abortion or an abortion case that came across her desk. And in the precedents and in her ruling, she actually ruled for the pro-abortion side because it was all about they were disputing how far they were supposed to stay from the entrance to these abortion clinics and how, you know, the, the bubble was defined as this and Judge Barrett's ruling, even though she may personally have disagreed with it because she sticks to the law and the Constitution and the precedents that came before this case, she ruled, she upheld that precedence and said, no, they have to be such and such distance away from the, from the clinic. So all of this to say, she was using that as an example that she ruled actually in favor of the abortion, the pro-abortion people. So she was trying to say that, yes, it impacts real people, but when it comes to her job, it's all about the precedence and the Constitution and in the law. Interpreting the law and not making the law. That was one thing that, you know, when I, I, I watched a little bit of when Kavanaugh, Judge Kavanaugh was, um, <coughs> was being questioned, and he was talking about judicial precedent a lot, which one thing I, I did not like that. I, I think that you need to, they need, Justices, justices should try to interpret the law as written and not necessarily go by judicial precedent because yes. there are a lot of decisions out there that aren't that great. Well, I don't, I don't try to pretend that I know exactly how this all works because it's very complicated and very convoluted that the whole law and the flowchart, so to speak, of of how it gets to the Supreme Court. But that is. Um, 
kind of exactly what Judge Barrett, her position is. That's why she's called an originalist, because basically she goes back to the original writings of our founding fathers and the Constitution, and that's what she bases a lot of her opinions on. That's why she's called an originalist. So and I thought something else, too, that she said that was very significant that I think people are not aware of. She says, once I put that black robe on, it signifies a neutral position, and I will approach precedence from a neutral position. I thought that was a good thing to, to kind of signify, too, and, and I didn't realize that was the the meaning behind a black robe but the black robe is supposed to signify neutrality that sh that they are neutral to either oh, party i didn't i didn't know that i know i thought that was really interesting but a lot of people don't know that but anyway so and it was interesting to watch not only their interactions with judge barrett and their so-called questions really the whole the hearings were structured that you had you had a Republican senator, they, she, they would spend 30 minutes on her and ask her questions or whatever. And then uh, a Democrat senator would ask her questions. But what was interesting about it is they would actually debate each other. <laughs> they would use their time to debate or dispute what their counterpart just said. So they spent most of their time kind of Debating doing each that other and not really talking, not to, really talking judge. to Judge Barrett. And it was like... Wow. It, I don't know. Yeah, speaking of debates, we had the, the uh, town halls slash debate this week. Did, any comments on that? I didn't actually watch them, so I don't know. I know that I read that NBC got a lot of flack for scheduling it at the same time as Biden's town hall. Yeah. And that apparently the moderator crucified or tried to crucify Trump the whole time yeah, and debate they, him. Basically, that town hall was like a debate be between President Trump and what was the moderator's name? I don't even remember. Anyway, it, I mean, it was like from the very beginning an attack, attack after attack on President Trump. And, you know, he. One thing that that's kind of backfiring on these on these uh, on the media here is he's President Trump is coming out like the underdog, and people are going for the you know people always go for the underdog. Because it's all about feeling sorry for people. Well, oh. yeah, and then also on the. Um, <coughs> As far as Biden's town hall, it was just a you know one softball question after another from George Step on top of us. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so. I know, and that's par for the course because they're never going to ask them the hard questions. They always want to just, "What's your favorite color, Vice President Biden?" I know. Oh, really? That's my favorite color too. And they ask, they ask. Uh, Hillary, what what's in your purse right now? And it was hot sauce. Yeah, because she was happening. She was talking to a, a black reporter or something like that. So she was pandering. That's yeah, so I mean, insulting. I guess, Why I guess, are people okay, insulted by there, that? There have been a few questions, and, and it seems like something something has changed. There have been a few questions on this. Uh, yeah, I agree. Court packing, the court packing question to Biden has been asked a few times, and he always just completely flares up. You know, when they ask about that. And someone did ask about the um, the Hunter Biden situation, and you know the of course Biden just completely. Um, well, I don't know. I haven't discussed that with went, him and so far. When yeah, no, no, he he said I'm not going to talk about that, or I don't have. Well, an I thought answer. he made the claim that he never even talked about. Well, it. He no, never even asked. Uh, in this question, which is I think it was just yesterday or the day before. Uh, Biden said, I knew you were going to ask that, and I'm not going to discuss that, or something like that. And he just completely belittled the reporter for asking the question. So there there are some, 
finally, some reporters standing up and asking a few questions of Biden. Yeah, it does seem like there has been a subtle shift in the media's approach to the left here lately. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I almost think that they they are seeing something like in these polls or something that and they're I trying the to media, save their jobs. Basically, the media might be saying, OK, something is happening here. I don't know. But do you realize that we're just a few short weeks away from the election? I wonder if people that have already voted, if they regret voting. The people that have done early voting. This is kind of the reason why you shouldn't vote early. Because what if something happens, like it's so egregious or so off-putting that you're like, wow, I really wish I hadn't voted for him now. Well, it's too late now. Your vote's, well, supposedly it's out there. Who knows? Yeah, that that's a good segue into this We've got all these uh, issues with the ballots coming up still. Um, in Pennsylvania, they had 372,000 ballot applications, apparently, that were rejected because they were duplicates. 90% of which were duplicates. Wow. And it was apparently it was confusing. There was a checkbox that was confusing to the voters so that even though the voters had already requested ballots, they were requesting them again. <laughs> <laughs> and one one voter s apparently submitted 11 duplicate requests. Wow. So it's just. I don't know. The bottom line is people just get out and physically vote. Just get out and physically vote. It's going to be fine. You're not going to die from the coronavirus. It's not a death sentence if you happen to get it. We've already talked about this last podcast. The statistics of you dying are super, super low. You know, don't be afraid of this. And it kind of goes back to what President Trump said about stop letting this doc, uh, dictate your life, dominate your life. This, it is what it is. It's out there. We have yeah. to learn to live with yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, there's this thing out there also that um, people are, you know, criticizing the President Trump's administration for their, his handling of the virus. And they're uh, against President Trump because of that. And, uh, you know, all, all I can say about that is that originally they were the experts or the health experts were uh, predicting 2.3 million deaths in the United States. And, you know, there's been 210,000. Which this is, point, I mean, again, nothing to, you know, say not nothing to belittle. But the, the fact is it could have been so much worse if Trump hadn't stepped in and made the choices that he made. And something else I wanted to bring up that I feel like a lot of people have forgotten because I personally sat there and watched nightly, nightly, when President Trump would get up there and make, you know, would, would basically tell the American people what the, the status is, what they're doing. Di distributing ventilators all over the country. Which I think in hindsight was very wise on his part because he kind of knew that at some point they were going to accuse him of mishandling this crisis and not doing what he needed to do. When in fact, he would get on there nightly, people. Every night, that's very unheard of for a president himself to get out there nightly and address the American people about this. Yeah. So you cannot accuse him of not addressing the issue or doing what he needed to do to try to, you know, make it less impactful. Yeah, and there's all these spikes in other countries. You know, Germany apparently had a really big spike over the last uh, few weeks. Uh, some other European countries too. So, and so what what's President Trump have to do with that? Exactly, I mean, he can't be blamed for everything, and this was out of his control. And let's not forget, he wasn't the one that started this virus. This started in China. 
I'll never forget when he said that. When they when a reporter said, like "Why do you keep calling that. it the China virus?" Because he goes, "Because it's from China." <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so great. Okay, well, well, you have but anything? yeah, I do actually. Okay, there uh, to bring this this virus thing a little bit down to our level, to our local level. Um, we've been having more and more employees at my hospital being tested positive for COVID-19. So everybody's really freaked out. And my doctor, the one I work for, he's just like, well, it's just a matter of time before we all get it. And in fact, we've had a couple of people in our clinic that have had to quarantine because of either they they got the, the virus or they had someone in their household that had to, um, that got the virus. So it makes me a little nervous that it's so close to home right now, but I'm going to practice what I pe- preach. And, and if I get it, then I guess I get it. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, I'm really no longer afraid of it. Everyone's going to get it. And the, the death rate is so minuscule for people. I think I'm just so fed up with 65. the whole subject just, right now. I mean, even people over the age of 65, the death rate is so small. It's just, it's minuscule. It's and it's in their, their deaths, deaths of people over that age are getting blamed for it when it's, you know, the average death age in the United States is 78, isn't I, it? I know. It's it's Not it's to crazy. discount people when, because, you know, if someone's grandmother dies, that's terrible. But the average age of death in the United States is 78. I know. I'm just, I'm, I'm so sick of this subject and thinking about it and living with it and being fearful of it. Well, I'm not fearful of it, but other people are fearful. I'm just, I'm ready. I'm also, you know what? Just, I'm ready to get it. Just, I just want to get it and get it over with. That may be the wrong attitude, but I've gotten to that point where I'm just so sick of this whole thing. I, I would be willing to bet you you've already had it. I, I would guarantee that I've already had it too. I'm I'm, I'm out with people all I the know, time. I know. So, but but I'm not going to be tested for it because that's just going to yeah. inflate the numbers. Okay, let's talk about something happy. Okay, let's because this is always so like down and gloom and woo. I mean, y'all know it's just, it's crazy. It's a crazy world we live in right now, but it's always going to be crazy on, on some level. There's not much we can do. Okay. I, I have a funny story to tell you. So the other day I was, I was at work and I was, I was uh, prepping a, a patient to be seen in the clinic, which just basically means I'm looking over past records. I'm writing some things down that I think are pertinent information for my doctor to take into account when he sees this patient. And in reviewing the, the referring office notes, the, the office that referred this patient to us, one of the diagnoses was inappropriate use of leisure time. What do you what, think that what means? What does that mean? I have no idea. use of leisure time. That can, that can encompass so many things. Well, inappropriate. You're supposed to be leisure, so maybe he was working while he should have been. <laughs> <don't know>. When <laughs> he should have been goofing off. But why would the doctor feel compelled to make that official diagnosis for this patient? Would the insurance pay more okay, or something like and that? that? I'm glad you brought that up because I was talking to my doctor about it and I was laughing. I was like, what the heck does that even mean? And of course, he laughed and he said, well, that can mean a lot of different things. But he says, but. That's he goes. You would not believe the size of the book that we have to that is now has been published for all the different diagnoses, for all these different scenarios. And I was like, really? So I started looking it up, and there are some crazy diagnoses out there for like being stabbed while crocheting, hurt at the library, um, hit by a turtle. <laughs> How do you get hit by a turtle? Getting sucked into a jet engine. Subsequent encounter, by the way. <laughs> It's like, you mean this happened before and you lived to tell yeah, about it? I think all this is just another argument for keeping government out of health care. 
Well, it's definitely showcases how complicated and convoluted all these all these diagnoses have gotten. But to be completely fair, I mean, a lot of strange stuff happens to people. And I guess that's better to be specific as opposed to just putting it under some big blanket diagnosis that can mean anything and everything. Because maybe the insurance companies have disputed some of these diagnoses in the past. So now they thought, well, fine, we'll just, we'll just get really specific. Does, I wonder, does the CDC somehow use these codes to come up with de death st statistics uh, or something? I don't I wonder know. If that's maybe. What, what the reason maybe. is behind that. Anywhere, anyway, I hear music. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a hint, everybody, that he's done talking. We need to wrap this up. So, <laughs> all right. Well, stay positive. Don't let everything get to you. Tomorrow's a new day. Yeah, don't be fearful. Don't be don't, fearful. Don't, don't get sucked into the get <laughs> mentioning... Uh, don't get sucked into a jet engine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get sucked into the fear of the media is what right. I was trying to say. <laughs> or jet engine either. All right, everybody. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.